Hey everyone, welcome. This is Lucas Granger, lead pastor of Coastal Church. It is our hope that you will find this podcast today challenging, inspiring, and practical as we seek to reach the world with the life-giving message of Jesus Christ. Enjoy. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants, <clears throat> sorry, have, have hired servants had food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned both against heaven and you, and no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to his servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it, put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet, and kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast, for this son of mine was dead and now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house, and he asked one of his servants what was going on. Your brother is back, he was told, and your father has killed the fattened calf. We are celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, All these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me. And all that time you never even gave me a young goat for, for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. His father said to him, Look, dear son, you have always stayed by me, and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day, for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. Man, I just can't wait to get out of here. Man, this, this, this place is horrible. It's so boring. I mean, every day, it's the same thing. Always working out in the fields, planting the seeds, putting them in the ground, put the dirt on top. We pray for rain. Stuff grows. I got to take care of these guys. Make more of a mess than you think. I'm telling you, this is just, this is terrible. This is horrible. I don't. I mean, I'm made for something more than this. I mean, I, I shouldn't be doing this. I, 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 I just, I, I can't. I don't know how much longer I could live this life. You know, I, I heard a story not too long ago. Someone told me about this city. It, it, it's a ways away. It's a, it's a far ways away. But man, it is happening. Things are going on, parties all of the time, ladies everywhere. I mean, this, this is where I need to be. Uh, but there's a problem. I, mean, I, know, I know it's going to be expensive. And uh, I ain't got no money right now. I need, I need to figure out a way to fund this operation because I, mean, I, I, I can't be doing this anymore. Well... The thing is, 
technically, I'm rich. It's not me. It's not me that's rich. It's my father. I mean, my, my father's got all. I mean, he's, man, lots of stuff, lots of stuff, lots of cows, lots of goats, lots of, I mean, he's, he's rich. And, and then when the day comes when he dies, I'm going to get half of it. Like, half of it has my name on it. But, but to be honest, I, I just don't know if I could wait that long. I mean, if you've seen Dad, like, he's, he's in pretty good shape. Like, he works out. I mean, there's, there's sheep all the time that are getting lost, and he'll just go out, and he'll, like, spend days, weeks even, chasing after lost sheep and, like, bringing them back, and then we have a party. Like, it's the same. I mean, he's, he's, he's good. I'm, I think he's going to hold off for a while. I just, I don't know if I could keep doing this, man. I, I mean, I, I'm born to be a free bird, you know? You know, I... I I'm as free as a bird now, and this bird you cannot change. That's, that's the life I'm going after right there. I mean, everybody that knows me, you know, that's, I, I just can't, I can't, I can't do it. I can't do this anymore. You know, maybe, maybe I could talk to Dad Maybe I could tell him that I want my half now. Now, now I, I know what that means. I know, I know it means me confronting him and telling him that basically I, I want his stuff more than I want him. And I really, I kind of saying like, I wish you were dead now, Dad. I just want the stuff so I could do the things that I want to do. And I know it's going to crush him. I know it's going to hurt him, but... Uh, I, I just, I can't, I can't go on like this. The city, it's calling me. It's calling my name. I'm going to have to have a talk with them. I think I'll talk with them tomorrow. <clears throat> hey, everybody. I guess y'all, uh, y'all heard about my younger brother. Yeah, we haven't seen him in some time. I mean, I mean, can you believe the nerve of that guy? I mean, what he did to our dad. I mean, he he went to our father. He he told him that he basically wished he was dead. Took half of his stuff and just rolled out on us. I mean, he, he's who knows where he's at right now. Stuck, stuck me here. I mean, you know, I did mostly all the work anyway. I mean, he was always just out in the fields taking naps. I don't even know what he was doing. Now it's just me. I've been, been faithful at this job since day one. I mean, anything, anything the father asked me to do, I'm your man. You can count on me. I did it. I'm here. I'm still here. He's gone. I'm still here. Cleaning up after his mess. You, you know, he took half of the stuff with him. Took half of it. But, but there is a plus side to this. Since he already got his half, that means everything else that's, that's left, it's mine. Right? 
And, and I've been doing all the work anyway. I've been carrying them for years. So it's just, it's kind of cool knowing that all of my work, all of my labor is like, it's, 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 it's going to me now. I don't have to worry about him anymore. You know, like I was, I just, I just can't believe it. You know, but like, did I tell you he took half of the stuff? I mean, half of it, just gone like that. But that's all right. That's all right. I'm working it. I'm filling the barns, planting the crops. Things are looking on the up. Check out. I'm feeding the calf. Oh, yeah. A little bit more, buddy. A little bit. There you go. Batting that bad boy up. I like to call him ribeye. Oh, yeah. His little buddy, Chop. Yeah, yeah. We're just batting him up. It's going to be one party one day. And he's all mine. Little brother got his share. You know, it's all right. That's all right. Basically just told dad that, told dad he wished he was dead, took his stuff. What? I'm sorry, what, what's that? What's that? How's he doing? How am I supposed to know how he's doing? Yeah, he, he left. We haven't heard from him in some time. We don't know what he's up to. You know, I, I don't know. You know, you know, basically, he said this. He said, you know, we're dead to him, so you know what? He's dead to us. Forget about it. You know, I'm just going to keep working. Keep working this field. Everything here is mine. Whoa, whoa. what's that? Y'all hear that sound? Whoa, sounds like some music going on from the house. I haven't heard music in a long time. I need, I need to go and see what's happening. I'll, I'll see y'all later. I remember uh, growing up, being here, I remember being about 15 years old. And I remember uh, Brunswick County back then, uh, this was not the place you wanted to be. If you were 15 years old, like this place was like, I just could not wait to get out of here. Like this is a great place to retire. But back then, like Brunswick County, 15 years old, like I'm talking about pre-Walmart days. Like there was nothing, like there was a store called Jones's that you picked your Christmas get at. I mean, there was nothing here. And like at 15, all you could think about was like, man, I just can't wait to leave. I just can't wait to get up out of here. And, and there was one thing that kept you going. There was one promise that like, listen, if I could just turn 16, everything will be okay. You know why? Because that's when you got your driver's license. And if I could get my driver's license, then I could go to the promised land, Myrtle Beach. Right? All the parties at Myrtle Beach. It's awesome. We're going to ride the strip all night long. Y'all did it. Some of y'all in this room did it. And it's like, man, man, I just, like, that, that was the dream. That was the hope we could do it. And, and, and I think a little bit about how my life has changed in, like, the last 30 years of, like, wanting that to now, like, the idea uh, of, like, going out to Myrtle Beach I try to avoid that place at all costs. I mean, Devin's like, hey, honey, let's go to Myrtle Beach. I'm like, let's order that on Amazon. 
You know what I'm saying, girl? We don't need to go down there. And then, like, the idea of, like, the wild party, I'm like, people ask, you know, so what time do you put the kids to bed? The same time I go to bed, 8.30. Like, we are in bed, like, that's the party, going to sleep. You know what I'm saying? Sleeping all night long, that sounds good. When you got some kids running around and jumping on your head at 3 o'clock in the morning, all you want to do is sleep, right? Party is watching Frozen with back-to-back Snow White, with back-to-back, you know, whatever princess is on the TV. That's just how we roll. And, and, and I got to thinking about this story. And I thought, you know, like, for some of us, uh, and for a good majority of people, like, when we hear this story, there's a part of us that really is very easy on some levels to embrace with the younger son. Uh, because the younger son appeals to us. Uh, even from just a strict, from a story perspective. From a story that, like, there, there's, there's a problem, there's tension, uh, and, and then something happens, and then th- th- there's redemption for him at the end, right? Like, there's this, like, oh, he's, he's lost, now he's found, there's redemption, there's finality to the story. And, and so, like, we hear it, and, and we could connect, and we could understand that, like, oh, the, this, this was awesome. And, and any good story, like, will have these certain elements to them, and if you even see the story that Jesus tells even before this, he tells the story of a sheep, he tells the story of a coin, and each one, something gets lost, something gets found, and then there's this party, and so like the rejoicing is the celebration, it's end, it comes to a conclusion, and you're just like, yes, celebrate, I understand what that's like. But then Jesus does something in this story that like, it, it, it doesn't quite work, Jesus, hold on, like, the story ends unfinished. Because the older brother is there, and he's outside of the tent, and the father is inviting him in, and the, older, and the story ends with, like, listen, like, will you come and join us in the party? Will you be a part of this? Once was lost is now found. Will you enter in? And then Jesus just kind of walks off stage. He leaves the room. Like, whoa, 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 whoa hold on, Jesus. How does the story end? Like, does the older brother go in and like get saved and enter the party and have a good time? Or does he remain on the outside of the tent? I need to know what is happening. This cliffhanger. And, and when it comes to a story, there's certain rules. And, and one of the number one rules of telling a good story is this. Like you must know your audience. Know who it is that you're speaking to. And Jesus is a master of this. Jesus begins to tell stories, and he knows exactly who he's talking to because this is two particular groups of people. On one hand, you have people that are, there's tax collectors and other notorious sinners, and then you have the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, and and they're there, and it says all of these people are following Jesus. They're listening to Jesus' teachings. But then this happens. The Pharisees begin to complain. So the Pharisees have a complaint that Jesus is hanging out with the wrong type of people. Jesus is hanging out with tax collectors. Jesus is hanging out with sinners. So when Jesus tells these stories, it is a response to a complaint of the Pharisees. And so everything about all of these stories is leading down the road to say, Hey, hey listen, Pharisees, who do you think you are in this story? 
Where do you find the connection with the younger brother, with the older brother, with the lost sheep, with the lost coins, with the ones that never left, or the ones that stayed in the house? And Jesus is saying, like, know who you're talking about. Do you know your audience? Do you know your place in the story? Because the same question has actually been asked throughout all of eternity. Where are you? Do you know who you are? If we look back in Genesis 1, from the, from the original moment when sin entered in, uh, Adam and Eve have sinned, they've disobeyed God, they've e- eaten of the fruit, and now they find themselves hiding from God. And it says this, that the Lord came down, he was walking in the garden, and he began to say this, Adam, Adam, where are you? Adam, where are you, Adam? Now, now here is a little side note. Anytime the Lord asks you a question, it's not that he doesn't know the answer. And so when the Lord is asking Adam this question, Adam, where are you? It's not that the Lord doesn't know, it's that Adam doesn't know. Adam, where are you? What's happened? Why have you found yourself far from me? Why are you hiding yourself from my presence. Adam, where are you? Lucas, where are you? Younger brother, where are you? Older brother, where are you? Will you enter the party or will you keep complaining about what's happening? What was lost is now found. And so Jesus asked, do you know where you are? It's easy to see someone that is lost when the distance is great. It's harder to see the same one that's lost when when they are in the same room with you. It's easy to see the one that's lost, the guy that's underneath the overpass or underpass right now with a needle in his arm. It's It's another thing to see the person that's lost that's sitting three rows back. Lost is lost. Um, a number of years ago, me and Alan, uh, Pastor Alan, that was leading worship this morning, uh, we found ourselves, we were in Costa Rica, taking a trip, and uh, just having a blast, surfing up and down the coast, and uh, just, just, just enjoying the time, and, but have, can't speak a bit of Spanish, I mean, like, hola, si. The end. Like, that's all we know. And, and, so, and so we're there, and, and we're, we're, we're driving around. There's different surf spots that we want to go to. Uh, now, for some of you, you, you may not remember this, uh, uh, but others of you over the age of 40 will understand. Um, there used to be these things that we used, and they were called maps. They were literally pieces of paper with roads all over them. Right? And they would tell you, hey, if you wanted to go somewhere, there was no GPS, there was no, no Siri, uh, no asking Alexa. There, 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 all there was was this thing called a map. And you had to map out your course. And, 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 and you would drive, and then there would be a navigator beside you, and you would have the dream of, hey, we are here, and we are going to go there. Um, but that ended in a nightmare because, what turn should I take? I don't know. I can't tell them the map. And then, and then kids, I'll turn this car right around. And then it's just, like, it's just terrible. And so like GPS literally saved families. 
And so we're there in Costa Rica with this map, right? And I'm driving, and Alan is navigating, and we're trying to get to the surf spot. And as we're driving down the road, remember, no Spanish at all. I'm just looking at the signs, and I'm reading the signs. And so Alan had to say where, what city was on the map. So driving. All right, here we go. We're coming up to this place called Salida. And like, Alan... Dude, it's, it's not on the map. Like, no, no, look, look at the sign. It's right there. Here it goes. Find it on the map. Find it. Is this my turn? And I, like, we would go. And, and I, here it goes again. It's, it's again. Here it goes. And Alan's just like, it's not on the map. I don't see it. I don't see Salida on the map. I'm like, dude, again. I mean, this happened like nine times. I'm like, bro, it says it right there. Salida. Sal- I, I don't need it. Salida. Whatever the word is. It's a big salad. Salada. I don't know. You can see the sign. It's not there. And after about literally 30 minutes of this, we understood that the word actually meant exit. <laughs> oh, those signs are right by every exit. Well, that's why it's not on the map. Right? Like, we're not the brightest sometimes. And... Uh, so, but Alan's, I'm yelling at him, he's yelling at me, like, we finally, like, just like, ah. So we get to the, we get, like, on a side note, too, we, we get on this one Salida, and uh, we go off, and we end on this dirt road, and we're in the middle of nowhere. We get to the end where, like, the road dead ends, and it's at a lady's home, and she's out, and she's putting all of her clothes that she has just washed on the laundry line, but it's, it, it's really dry, <laughs> And we're in a car, and there's no other place to do a U-turn. So we U-turn, and there is this puff of dirt that just like, <sighs> and uh, we're like, Jesus loves you. Grace and peace. God bless you. And then we just left. And um, <laughs> yeah, and uh, so Lord bless her. And we're, we're there. We get, we get to the spot. We park the car, and we're trying to find a, uh, this hostel that we're going to stay at for the evening. And so we're walking around. Uh, the city, looking for this place that we could stay for five bucks a night. And uh, we're there, and we're walking around, and we can't find it. And, and finally, like, we're, we're standing there on the street, and we're stopping people, and we're like, hey, could you help us find where this place is at? And the, the guy looks at us, and he's like, are you serious? And I'm like, yeah, you know, you don't know about the Salida story, but yeah, we are this serious. And he just looks at us, and he's like, and it's literally five feet behind us is the hostel. And we're just like, grace and peace. And we went to the hostel, the hostel and, and, and I just thought to myself, it, it doesn't matter if you're a thousand miles away or if you're five feet away. Lost is lost. Lost is lost. And it doesn't matter if your keys are two miles down the road or if they're just somewhere stuck underneath the seat. You're not going anywhere because lost is lost. Sometimes I, it's, just, it's, it's easy to connect with the younger brother. It's easy to think like, man, yeah, yeah, he, he was a far way off. He had done all of these things, all of this crazy living. And, and we like use him as the basis of the story when really the basis of the story where it, it comes from, where the audience is Jesus responding to a complaint of that of actually the older brother. 
And, and so actually the older brother is the one being addressed. The older brother is the one that the question is being asked. Do you know where you're at? Will you come in? Do you realize, are you lost or are you found? Because you're hanging out outside of the tent. You're not joining in the party with the rest of us. And, and, and the difference between the one that's a thousand miles away and the one that's just five feet away is, is really just the journey back. And, and we would think, like we would think that the one that's a thousand miles away has a long journey and it, it's, it's going to be so much more challenging for that to get back. But I have found in life, like, it doesn't matter the distance. Like, the journey back can be difficult no matter what the distance because lost is lost. Let me put it to you like this to make it make sense. I find it easy sometimes to think of the idea of missions of where, hey, let's fly 3,000 miles across the world and let's do missions in India, but let's not walk across the room and tell our coworker about Jesus right? It's easier for us to like do all these things and like, hey, we're going to do this. And God's like, just walk across the room. It's right behind you. Sometimes like we could ask forgiveness for like, all right, we ask forgiveness for a nation. We ask forgiveness for our, an, an entire people group, right? But like we don't want to ask forgiveness from our wives. It's like that's the hardest thing to do. Like I'm wrong, babe. It is, it's these moments, and so the journey back, whether it's a thousand miles away or five feet, man, it's just the Father saying, will you not come in? Lost is lost. And here's what's interesting. Whether it's the older brother or the younger brother, both relationships, both relationships with the Father were based on works and good behavior. Both relationships, how they found their acceptance with the Father was through works. For the older one, it was, hey, Dad, everything you've ever done, wanted to do, I've been here. I'll do it. I've never left your side. And for the younger one, even when he came to his senses, he devised a plan, and his plan was this. I'll go back, and I'll do what? I'll be as a hired servant. I'll work my way back into the good graces of the Father. Both of them had this false assumption that they could work their way into the grace of their father. Both of them thought that, like, this is how we'll do it. We'll, 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 we'll be good, we'll work hard, and then the father will accept us into, the, into his house. Like, does, does this sound familiar at all? Like, in no way does this reflect modern Christianity at all. At, at no point have we ever just tried to earn our salvation, or try to just follow the rules and think that if we live a good and moral life, then Jesus will accept us. Like, the funny thing is that, like, this is even on some levels what we teach, that become a Christian and just get your act cleaned up and, and stop doing drugs, just don't kill nobody, don't kick the dog, and then then you're a good person, then you could come to church, then everyone will accept you. And, and, and if we were really honest, there's a part of us that even begins to believe this in our souls. Of God, well, why did this happen to me? I'm a good person. I obey all the rules. I do all the right things. I go to church every Sunday. I help people out. I, I, don't, I ain't killed nobody. I, have, like, I, don't, I, don't, I don't do this. I don't do that. I don't, I don't smoke. I don't swear, except for at the Patriots games 
or the roundabout at Ocean Isle, because nobody knows how to use that thing. That's the only time that, or, or maybe in the Walmart checkout line, especially in the self-checkout line, weigh the bananas, just weigh the bananas. Right? But basically, I'm a good person. You can count on me. And I, like, we teach this, and there's this kind of idea, if we're not careful, that Christianity is behavioral modification, and if you just live by the rules and regulations, that this is what makes you a good person, and that life will somehow get better. Uh, the problem is this is the complete opposite teachings of Jesus. Uh, and actually, even if you try to do this, if you try to just live a good moral uh, life, this is what will happen. Try to obey the Ten Commandments. Try to just do all that on your own. This is the outcome of that. Sure, it will keep you out of prison, but it's going to create a prison in here. Did you catch that? Yeah, it'll keep you out of prison, but it creates another prison in here. One that you can't escape from. One that keeps you on the outside of the tent looking in, wondering, why would you do that for someone else, God, when you've never done it for me? Haven't you seen what I've done? Haven't you seen the work that I've done? And so the question is, why is this? Why often is this the focus? Why do we boil down this beautiful relationship that Jesus offers us to just be this list of rules and regulations and laws and trying to earn our way and trying to work our way into salvation. Now, I think and believe that, that the answer to that question is different for everybody. But, but one of the things and one of the overarching, whelming ideas even in our culture is this, and as I say this, I want this to really sink into our hearts, is that this, do we really believe that it's Jesus that's going to do the work? Do we really believe that it's Jesus that's going to do the work? See, because it's not long until we're grabbing the reins again and we're trying to fix our life and we're trying to fix our wife and we're trying to fix our kids and we're trying to fix our job and we're trying to fix our neighbor down the street and we're trying to fix our church and we're trying to fix our pastor and we're trying to fix our boss and we're trying to fix, well, all of these things and, and we can work and we can make it work out. And the truth is, like, like, if we actually believe what we say we believe, it's like, I can't do anything without him, without his grace and mercy. I mean, I, mean, I just told a story the other day. Uh, I've had three funerals this month. And I told this story, and it's just been... It's been in my mind, of, there's a story, and I may have told y'all before, of, of a man that set out to change the world. And, and as he set out to change the world, he went, and it wasn't long before he realized, I'm a complete failure at this. I can't change the world. So if I can't change the world, I'll change my city. And then he failed at that. And he said, okay, if I can't change my city, I'll change my family. And then he failed at that. Kids don't listen to him. Dog doesn't listen to him. Wife doesn't listen. Nobody's listening. I can't do this. I can't change the world. I can't change the city. I can't change the family. Maybe I could change myself only to find out that he couldn't do that either. Like He didn't have enough self-discipline. I couldn't stay on the diet. I couldn't do all the right things. I couldn't just be patient. 
until one day he said, okay, God, I give it to you. I give it to you. All of it. And what he found is Jesus began to change his life. And as his life changed, his family's life changed. And as his family changed, the city changed. And as the city changed, the world changed. All because Jesus did the work. And we've got to get out of the driver's seat. We've got to get it through our eyes. Like it, it, It's God that's doing it. Because, listen, God works from the inside out. We, as humanity, we like to work from the outside in. We want to like make it look. We want everyone else to think that we've got it all together before we do. And Jesus is like, no, no, no. I'm going to work from the inside out. Because if I could get your heart, I know I'll get your hands. But we're like, hey, I could just use the hands, and hopefully the heart will change. It doesn't happen. But when the heart changes, the hands change. When the heart changes, all of a sudden, my words change, my actions change, my voice becomes different, my, my thoughts change because something's happened in here. And I don't know about you, but I need to be changed from the inside out. I'm tired of trying to change Lucas from the outside in. Because just like every other fence that we've painted, in a few years, it needs another coat, right? And you know you, right? And it's part of it, like, Jesus does the work, this inside out. Uh, the, and, and here's the beautiful part about when it happens from the inside out. It doesn't matter what happens on the outside because you've got something bigger on the inside. And when you've got something bigger on the inside than that which is on the outside, I've got peace that passes all understanding. I've got, I've got something that it doesn't matter what my circumstances are. It doesn't matter what life throws my way. Like, He's in control. He can do it. Both brothers have this in common, this idea. We as humanity can understand that, man, listen, if I just keep obeying, if I do all the rules, I can, I can earn my inheritance back. Uh, I, I, I have a plan, and this is what do. And every time we have a plan, it's always based upon our work. I, I'll be as if I was a hired hand. And this is the part of the story I think that we forget. That when the younger brother came home, he wasn't cleaned up. When the bro younger brother came home, he was all messed up. He had, been, he had been feasting with some pigs. And this is what happens. The father runs down the road. The father puts a robe on him. The father puts a ring on his finger. The father kills the fatty calf. The father throws the party. The father does all of the cleaning up. The younger brother just says, thank you. It's nothing that he could do, nothing that he could earn. His whole plan of trying to earn his redemption is shattered in the wake of the, the absolute grace and mercy of the father. The absolute reckless love of the father. And so the story is really about a prodigal God. Because the word prodigal even means to spend with abandonment with abandonment, to have just reckless, recklessness, love of this is what it is. And that's what the Father did every step of the way. You don't deserve it, but I'm going to give it to you anyway. The love of the Father, that God is enough. Just think about that for a moment. He is enough. 
You can't clean up you. You can't earn it. And it doesn't matter if you're a thousand miles away or you're five feet away. Lost is lost. And we all need to be found. See, both sons operated off this assumption that their work could be enough. For the younger, it was, hey, I'll be as a hired servant. For the older brother, he lived every day as if he already was the hired servant. We know that because when he confronts the father about what's happening, the father tells him, listen, all that I have is yours. You could have had a party any time you wanted. It's your choice to remain outside of the tent. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up. I'm going to ask everyone to please stand. The question is, are we satisfied as living as hired servants, or are we ready to actually live as sons and daughters? Nothing we could do, everything he has done. Scriptures say this, it says, I no longer call you servants, because servants don't know what the master is doing, but I call you friends. And it's his reckless love that not only chases down the, down the road and puts the robe on the younger brother, but it's his reckless love that leaves the party and comes out to the older brother and says, will you please join us? Will you please come in? All that I have is yours. Please, what was lost is found. Where are you? Where are you? Will you join in? And I think Jesus leaves the story incomplete here because, well, it's still going on today. Lucas, where are you? Adam, where are you? Kirk, where are you? Jim, where are you? We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you would like to explore more resources just like this, take a moment and download the Coastal Church app. Also, if you would like to give financially to support the ministry here at Coastal, go to mycoastalchurch.com giving. God bless and have a wonderful week.